We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. Hey everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast brought to you this week by MyFFPC.com. As always, I'm your host, Eric Bertzloff, better known on Twitter as at Dynasty Trades. Joined by my two co-hosts, Nathan Dan. Sup guys? Good evening. Hi Nathan, you look like you you're about British? to say something, but but uh, I, I jumped in. Even I was feeling a bit charitable. Um, actually, you know what Nathan, you go ahead and you, you take the spot. Well Dan, if, if you would have let me talk, I would Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. I just told the listeners that uh, on the night we're recording Monday night, um, you were very charitable. 
You had a giveaway on Twitter in regards to uh, premium subscriptions to some awesome fantasy websites and, you know, draft guides and things of that sort. So, Dan, you made me feel like less a part of the community by being so charitable. <laughs> it's true. It's, nah, it's, yeah, you make us look like jerks. We're all a big family. We're all part of it. Well, at least, yeah, we can, we can, you know, we'll just hang the hat of the Dynasty Trade Cast and say that that's what we're doing, charitable stuff. And just because just Dan, we made Dan happy. Yeah, you know, when winning, we started, he winning only had leagues, like 600 followers. Winning leagues and charity, it's all just on Dan's shoulders. My back is starting to hurt a little bit. Oh, good Lord. Uh, we're never going to hear the end of this. For a man who's given charity, you're certainly bragging a lot. All right. Uh, let's introduce our guests. And uh, we have John Bosch of the Dynasty Game Night podcast and uh, and on Twitter at Empire FFL. How's it going, John? I am doing all right. Uh, I did notice that you said as always again. So I think it's become the custom <laughs> to actually razz you about that now. Right? <laughs> Come on I, in. It's a, you're, I'm, I'll join that party of pointing out that you said as always, of course. No, uh, I, I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to tonight. This is this is a podcast I listen to every time. Like. It's definitely one that I don't miss. Even so this is, even uh, when Nathan had dead audio, you listened then? <laughs> yeah, if you made it through the bad audio episode, then you deserve wow. a prize. That, like, skip 30 button on podcasts <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. All you got to do is hit it and it's just, bam, right, no, right past it. So, and it's, it's, it's really nice to come in and, you know, see Dan. And obviously, he's being super humble, the most humble person in the world. Right, Dan? Humble salamander. Yeah, the so, FF, you know, nobody more humble than Dan. Nobody. Morrow's man, but yeah. They go and do nice things, and everybody's like, oh, man, are these mean people actually nice? That's horrible. But then he, <laughs> then, he, then he goes and brags about the league, so it all balances it out, you know. Well, that's something to brag about. That was that was a good victory. I'm going to take As that well one. You should. The, yeah, who, who's, who can't wait for SFB8 more? Oh, my God. At the entire community, all yeah, 719 exactly. other people that don't have to deal with me being the champion anymore. Yeah, exactly. Dan, Dan loses his championship at that point. He's no longer the reigning champ. So, well, can once we I'm actually, eliminated, can, I lose it. Yeah, I suppose get, that's true. Can we get so Scott to like get 721 and SFP8. <laughs> I know that makes the numbers really hard, but at least then, at least then, somebody will say I beat more people than Dan beat. Just put that, one maybe extra, do like a play-in game. One extra it. team in my division, so the the draft is a little more thin, and I don't get all the players. Just <laughs> one wild card somewhere in that seven twenty, just so that Dan does not defeat the largest field ever. Oof. Uh, I would I would like to highlight that I got when we're talking about uh, Nathan's bad audio. I did have Ryan McDowell reach out to me on Voxer after that episode. He's like, you know, I I even couldn't make it through the episode, man. I had to turn it <laughs> off. So oh, screw uh, you, Ryan. <laughs> i probably That's... made it through i don't use i don't usually give up i'm a diehard plus i'm at work usually when i'm listening to podcasts so i can it's kind of like background music at this point anyways but uh i yeah. you can definitely tell when somebody's like recording from a phone that that is the worst when nathan has to call <laughs> him from never, a been phone. Done, never, never been never been done on this podcast right. well and, and you're, you're, a fa- you're a fellow podcaster so you at least have like sympathy and understand how it happens so you, you've gotten behind the curtain oh uh, god okay. yes i i don't hold bad audio against anybody i don't hold <laughs> bad editing against anybody it's no it's you, it's not something you want to do uh the the background part so yeah i definitely don't hold that against anybody it, 
Yep, it is what it is. Uh, okay, well, let's let's remind all the listeners that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to the NFL podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, to the Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL podcast homepage. Man, I've read this so many times. Rotoviz.com slash podcast subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it also helps support the pod. You can reach out to us via email. That's rotovizradio at gmail.com and Twitter at rotovizradio. The Rotoviz Radio Network is a fantastic collection of podcasts, and it's available via Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. You can find us along with the rest of the Rotoviz shows under Rotoviz Radio, and then also make sure you check out our individual feed if you're not already listening. Simply search the Dynasty Tradecast Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. So click subscribe and leave us a rating and review. Okay, Nathan, uh, I'll do a quick rundown here and hand off to you. So. Uh, today's show, we're going to chat through some uh, some of the weirder, quirkier, dare I say kinkier formats in <laughs> Dynasty football. Uh, and then we are going to go into Rookie or the Vet uh, and hear Nathan sing Rookie or the Vet, which is always fun. And uh, and then Nathan said he has a surprise Debbie or not for us. So that's where we say two names and you have to guess whether they're a Debbie player or something random. That's correct. All right. On that note, Nathan, <laughs> why don't you head, why don't you lead us into the show? Nice transition. Oh, that's, that's chemistry right there. Yeah. Was, yeah, it's it's almost like we've done a hundred shows at this point. That was beautiful. All right. So today's show, uh, we brought on John because he plays in a lot of the more funky formats in the dynasty community, leagues like Capitalist Pigs, the Kitchen Sink League, things like that, where there's so many different variations to ways to play dynasty. Nobody plays one quarterback, you know, two running back, three wide receiver leagues anymore. Those are all boring, and you know, so let's let's get a little crazy here. Let's talk about some alternative league formats and how they impact dynasty value. I think the first one, and this is one that kind of it kind of took over the fantasy community during Scott Fishbowl during draft season last year. And that's points per carry. Generally, this is more of like a point one point per carry, point two five, something in that range. But John, you can start us off. How does point per carry impact your dynasty valuations? Uh, so for me, I mean, it, it definitely shifts the league. If it goes from just full PPR with no point per carry to all of a sudden the point per carry is involved, the running backs become a favorite of the league. They become expensive. They become where you want to invest, in my opinion. So it's it's definitely a very different league. Um, and all what's funny is some people that might not read the rules before they do kind of a startup will go into it and just want to go young wide receiver. And you can tell those people right off the bat they're only attacking wide receiver. And at the end of the at the end of the auction or draft should be an auction. Uh, you're gonna find. They're going to be searching for running backs, and they're just going to be flabbergasted at the cost to achieve to acquire a running back. So, for me, it it shifts the dynamic completely from ru- uh, wide receiver heavy to running back heavy. So, I've never actually done a aside from the Scott Fishbowl last year point per carry league. I mean, is it? I, I was kind of always under the impression that it was like tight end premium, like kind of people way overvalued running backs in that in that format. I mean, is that is that not been your experience, John, or for any other guys? It's it seems to me like you would let other people freak out in that in that premium format. Yeah, uh, it it seems like it should be that way, but for me, like tight end premium, you still have the same scale of tight ends that are this. You know, everybody still finishes in the same position. They're just getting more points, but the number one through the number 12 tight end are still the same. Whereas when you add in points per carry, 
it changes how, how running backs finish. So all of a sudden, a guy like Theo Riddick, who's really valuable in PPR, is a lot less valuable in a point per carry yeah. league. So that's the that's a little bit of a difference to me is the tight end premium. All it does is increase tight end scoring, but it doesn't change the tight end, you know, tiering, anything like that. Points per carry, it has a big effect. It's it's a huge shift for me, like it, especially now we're kind of coming back into running back. It seems with the new, the new found talent at the position. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been trending back up towards kind of what we used to see and, and what we want to call the old days of of fantasy football, where it was all running back heavy. And now, if you're getting into a points per carry league and you don't have strong running backs, you're kind of you know going the wrong direction. Um, so it, honestly. Points per carry to me is kind of overpowered. You, you know, anybody in the capitalist pigs league will always hear me referring to it as OP just because it, it is. I mean, you can't, you can't win without, without running back. You can win super flex leagues without quarter, without high end quarterbacks or huge depth of quarterbacks. You can win tight end premium leagues without great tight ends. You can't win a points per carry league without running back. What it's, is, what's the point per carry though, that you need to have it to be for it to be relevant. I mean, it's quarter is quarter point per carry enough. Quarter points pretty popular. I think that's the most common one. Um, the ones that I've set up personally, I do point one just because I think point two or point two five is just too much. It makes way too big of a difference, too big of a gap from wide receiver to running back. And the goal in all of this is to bring everyone closer together. But for me, this makes running back above and beyond the rest, no matter the setup. Um, it, it's it's just crazy. But yeah, it's it can be uh, it can be a headache, especially when you want to go wide receiver early like john john kind of talked about before because that's john kind of talked about before because that's kind of been the popular thing the last what four or five years now in in dynasty specifically and now it's like okay if you're playing ppc you have to go running back yeah i actually tend to lean more towards eric's line of thinking of anytime there's a sort of premium in, in, in form of scoring i think the lineup is a little bit different in terms of super flex or things like that but in terms of a change in scoring, more often than not, I feel that the opponents tend to overvalue that that slight change in scoring to where, you know, they overvalue those players and undervalue the other players. So in a point-per-carry format, I do kind of, you know, drive into the skid and try and get more wide receivers and get more of those quarterbacks if it's a super flex league as well. Um, I, I think that, you know, the, it ends up undervaluing those guys, the, the theoretics, the Duke Johnsons. Yes, they don't have as much value because they're not going to get as many carries. But I think that people just see a thing like, oh, this is league is 0.2 points per carry. Then they just completely ignore the pass catching running backs. So they completely, you know, go way too heavy on the Todd Gurley, the Ezekiel Elliott guys that are pretty much guaranteed, you know, 20, 25 carries a game. So I think that the one flaw with, with any type of, you know, change in scoring is that a lot of people end up going, you know, very heavy into that. But the one thing that John kind of mentioned is that with point per carry, it's so new that not not as many people are going straight into, okay, I'm going to invest all my assets in running back because it's points per carry. So the fact that very few leagues out there are doing it right now definitely lend towards more of a credence in doing it than maybe tight end premium was like five years ago. Yeah, I will say that one thing that it does for me is when you're in a points per carry league, <laughs> running back is the last position that I want to fill on my roster. Um, if I'm trying to build a winner or rebuild, if I took over an orphan, something like that, I will, I will build with the wide receivers. I'll try and get those kind of solidified because they're not going to come and go in just a few years. 
But then when it comes time for me to compete, I'm going to hammer running backs and I'm going to pay. I know I'm going to pay a lot for them in those kinds of leagues. People aren't going to sell them cheap, but I will wait to acquire those elite running backs until I feel like I'm competing. Because if you even try and do it in the startup and you don't go out of the startup just trying to compete right away, those running backs are going to lose so much value so quickly because they have such a smaller window compared to the wide receiver. So that is that is one thing I try to exploit a little bit in points per carry leagues. I don't know that everybody is paying attention to that when they get so overhyped for the running backs that getting two running backs and then having nothing else on your team isn't going to help you win. Right. Uh, you're just going to be dead in the water and then it's wasted investment. Those running backs are gone before you have a chance to compete with them. So that is definitely one thing I try and do is add the running backs last. Yeah, if you're punting, if you're punting year one, that's there's like John said, there's absolutely no reason to go heavy running back. So I guess when I'm when I'm stating, you know, that I want to go running back early, I'm not I don't know that I've ever gone into a draft and been like, all right, I'm just gonna kind of wing it and punt. We'll see what I can come up with later on. Um, not that I'm, I'm not saying that's like a bad a bad way to go about it. If you want to build that direction, that's a great way to build. I've seen a lot of success stories. John's one of them. Um, it, we talk about <laughs> capitalist pigs on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Here. We'll see. Hold on. His capitalist pigs team went from uh, it went from solid to start, and then he kind of moved some things around. And this last this off season, and at, you know, he kind of started at the end of last year. But with all of his extra stuff that he accumulated throughout that that what maybe 12 months 14 months something like that he's turned his roster into probably top four or five in the entire league and it's a 2018 league and duplicate um you know players obviously but now it, because he didn't go gung-ho running back right away in a points per carry league his roster is now set up because he was constantly adding value and adding value with other things that other people now needed because they were stuck overpaying for running back. So what John did is the right way to do it if you were to quote unquote punt. Oh, I got well, the senior uh, approval there. <laughs> I'll take it. it. Well, while we're, while we're kissing John's butt, uh, we can continue <laughs> on to uh, our next format. And that's the rolling bankroll format. Another aspect of the capitalist pigs uh, dynasty league run by Scott fish. And this is one of those things that, it's so hard for me to understand really the concepts of how to value money because for me with a rolling bankroll league, I, I, my strategy going in was, Hey, let's try and save money from the startup and try and use rookie and Debbie money in the following year. And for those who are in that league, for those who are familiar with how bad I am at capitalist pigs, <laughs> it, it, bit, it, bit, it bit me in the butt because basically money went from going, you know, dollar to dollar to like, the dollar that I had was worth like 33 cents compared to the other dollar. So I saved money that basically lost 66% of its value. It was absolutely, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. So is that, John, is that now, is that because you're, is that because you're like your rookie players are going for like 60 where your startup players are going for like 400. Is that or 180 or whatever? No, 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 other way. No, no, other way, other way around. Like Saquon Barkley will go for five hundred dollars. Like the highest startup player went for like one fifty. Gotcha. Because gonna, there's he, such a bigger pool. He's gonna he's gonna break a thousand. I don't think so, but either, yeah, he is easily. He's he's going um, way. He's breaking a thousand easily. Yeah. So, so I think I think Nathan kind of got stuck in something with with that strategy that was sort of broken. 
um, there was more money being added than taken out and it's going to, you know, kind of be an issue. So those of you thinking of starting something with a rolling, uh, you know, a rolling bankroll or um, anything like that, you, you kind of want to make sure that you're building it maybe at a little bit smaller of a scale. Um, you know, Scott is, is an absolute mastermind with this kind of stuff. And I think now he's on, he's starting pigs four at this point. He, um, rumored, rumored pig, rumored pigs four. Pigs four. I broke so, that news by the way. <laughs> okay. Eric, Eric wanted in on one, and uh, I think it was Eric and Elliot, right? They, uh, <laughs> yeah, they and that was it. That was all it took. Was uh, that's going to be the new twist? Is Bertsloff and uh, Elliot Chris are going to be what, in there? Do you want to like? Can we go into a more detailed explanation of this league? Because I mean, even even I, who am quasi familiar with it and like not playing in it, still like basically the money is good the whole time. The money you you spend money, you get a certain amount of money, you spend it on start a startup auction. Then you take whatever the remainder money is and you use it for a rookie auction. Then you take whatever that remainder money is and you use it on a Devi auction. And there's no additional money being infused to it, right? There was yeah, originally, there, there was originally yeah. money being infused based on bonuses and things like that. But there's also like year rollover stipends. There's things like taxing the, the rich and then that money goes to the poor. So it takes money from the good teams, a per- certain percentage of what they won, giving it to the bad teams to help the bad teams get better. Oh, wow. Um, there's trickle down economics in the capitalism. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> doubt, man. We, we, we didn't mess around. So <laughs> socialist <laughs> pigs. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. The <So> capitalist, <laughs> capitalist pigs won or OG pigs, as I like to call it, is 28 teams do duplicate you know two two copies of each player uh, we all got x amount of dollars to start with and then like you mentioned eric you can save some and carry on you can spend most of it at at startup you can do kind of whatever you want um but then at the end of the year you're getting your rookie pick value once the rookie draft starts uh that money becomes you know instead of a pick because if the pick has x as a placeholder and then once it you know, it, it matures, you can use the cash for the rookie auction. Same thing with the Debbie. And then you get um, like a free agent, 50 bucks or something like that. There's there's So there's a lot of little things being kind of consistently added. Um, but there was also a bunch of stuff that got taken out because it, it basically just devalued so much money. Um, but with this rookie... Which, which is what destroyed my team. Yeah. Yes, it destroyed, it destroyed Nathan. Um, but it was a learning experience. So uh, Nathan, thank you for being the guinea pig on that one. Um, forward to watching Saquon Barkley go for what do you think, John? Thirteen hundred? Oh my God! I don't know about thirteen. It, it might. I, he honestly might. I, I, I think he's going to go for eleven hundred. And I honestly think that like Rosen and Darnold and Mayfield, I think they approach seven hundred to eight hundred. Whereas if you look back to when Nathan punted, he still has probably some of that money left. But at that time, players were going for like. 200 was an enormous amount when a guy went over 200 like it was a big deal when that auction price went over 200 and uh now now that would be that's nothing how much money do you guys start with like what's the total okay so i think we started with yeah was it a thousand it was no it's 1200 it was 200 for rookie though wasn't it did we have rookie was were rookies included in pigs one I don't remember, but I it was, it was 12, a, I know right. it was twelve hundred total. All right, yeah, no, we're too far into the weeds now, but I, yep. I was just curious. So. But no, that's that's an All interesting right. league. I mean, I can't even. That's that's one that I feel like you almost need Scott Fish to run for you. But I would be interested if there have there been copycat leagues. Your guys' knowledge? Oh, I've copycatted. Yeah. I, I run like three or four bankroll leagues at this point. Nice. They're, they're a lot of fun. Uh, I will say, like, so since Nathan kind of punted, 
uh, it became very clear to everybody that was in Pigs 2 and then in Pigs 3. Well, I guess I shouldn't say everybody, but most people and the people that were in Pigs 1 to put your investment in players because the price of players seems to double, just double like every year, but the money stays the same. Nathan could save $800 and next year it's going to be the same $800. But if you spent it on four players at $200, each of those players next year somehow ends up being like $400 to $500. So it is a, it's a crazy format that I highly recommend to everybody. It's become my favorite manageable format as a commissioner. All right, let, let's roll this back a little bit. I know you said you, you uh, commissioned a couple other leagues. Is mm-hmm. there an example in, in just normal bankroll leagues that you can roll money over year to year? Is there ever a scenario where you're saying saving money is a good thing, or is it always just money's just always going to get more expensive or cheap? It's going to be less, less dollar per the dollar. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> um, that's, that's actually a discussion that Scott and I have had. Uh, we've probably spent hours talking about how to protect the value of money in these leagues. The only way to really protect it is to have people spend it. So in a couple of the other leagues that I run, they're really aggressive owners. And we didn't have anybody saving huge amounts of money because what happens in these little these little fantasy football economies, the people that don't spend money are the ones that are ruining the value of money, which, I mean, if nobody spends money, money becomes worthless. So it makes sense. But uh, so I've been lucky enough to have extremely aggressive owners that have spent, 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 and we haven't had to face quite the uh, inflation problem that has occurred in pigs. But I mean, we have 28 people in pigs. The other, the ones I run are only 14 people. So even if one person is saving, it's probably different than if two or three or four people are saving. And then there's just huge amounts of money for the next year. I mean, if you look at the amount of money in pigs, which is 28 teams, there is a ton of money going into the rookie auction this year as compared to what was going into the auction three years ago at this time. All right, let's move on to our next topic, and it's going to be shallow rosters versus deep rosters. I, I would say shallow, a shallow roster in a nice league pretty much encompasses anything that's 20 roster spots or less. A deep roster is anything that's 28 roster spots or more. Eric, how do you approach dynasty leagues varying on the shallower side of 20 or maybe the deeper side of 28 plus? Man, this is a four, these are formats that I actually play, so that's sweet. Um, I can <laughs> I can finally contribute and stop asking just silly questions. Um, shallow, probably the biggest is just understanding that you're not going to have space for players to develop. So I don't even necessarily consider those true dynasty leagues. If you do have like twenty roster spots, um, those are just so tough to a third or fourth round pick. You're generally always dropping because you're not going to have room for them. So. Um, it's it's and it's and it's tough to rebuild too in those situations. So sh- that's probably the biggest difference with shallow. Um, and then super deep, you're able to to store stuff. I mean, I have I have leagues that I actually run that have infinite taxi squads for two years, so you can just hoard wow. talent for two years. Um, and then after two years of being on your taxi squad, you either have to sign them to your team or not. Um, but that kind of allows players to truly develop, and then it also allows people to rebuild. I think appropriately, where you can you can hoard all 12 fourth round picks and actually use those. Um, So I I am very much of the mindset that the deeper the league, the more 
dynasty-ish it feels, the bearer, the waiver wire, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I mean, I'm not sure that the strat, I mean, the strategy in, in deeper leagues is, is to me just much more traditional dynasty where accrue talent guys that you see as breakout candidates that, that have, have places to go and then, uh, and, and hope they break out. Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty much hitting the, the nail right on the head. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I, if it's shallow, I honestly want, let's say it is 20 spots. I want to be able to start 18 of my guys. Um, you know, as, as deep as you can have that team, it, it's never going to be bad. You want to be able to, to move players if you need to, but you also need to have that depth on those shorter, those shorter leagues. Whereas in most of the leagues that I play in are, like what Nathan said, 28 plus 20. I'm, I'm usually kind of in that 26 plus. I think that's kind of right on that ledge yep. when you kind of roll out the numbers. But in those ones, you can, like you said, Eric, you can hang on to guys that you believe in. You can hang on to guys that you're able to draft and, hey, I got a flyer in the third and I want to hang on to him. Whereas in, you know, 20 or less, you're you're kind of just stuck with what you've, you've got and there's not really a whole lot of turnover. I mean, obviously you're going to be adding first and second round picks but then that means you're cutting off the the back end. So um, it plays I mean, more like redraft. The shallower right. stuff plays more like I mean, redraft. It's keeper. It's keeper at best. You really have to decide where your your line is, and then how much that upside in those rookie picks is really worth to you. And even stuff like waiver wires and free agency, because if you don't want to if you don't want to have a lot of turnover, you're never going to get you know, any, any more upside in those picks or in, let's say you have like a, a, a budget for waivers or whatever it is, you, you know, you need to, you need to really balance out where your upside is and where your, where your floor is, because obviously you want to score those points unless you're rebuilding and then you can go and accrue picks and you don't have to worry about your depth. But yep. obviously our goal is to win. So I, I think, I think depth is super, super, super important in any league, but definitely in shallow rosters, uh, it's it's a must. Let me just correct you there. I, I would say that you, me, and John's objective is to win. Right, <laughs> right. I forget about that. <laughs> Nathan likes that sexy future roster. Yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry. Okay, I'm that. sorry, Nathan. What did you have to say about uh, shallow? Actually, you know what? Let's throw to the throw to the guest and John. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll echo what you guys are saying. Shallow rosters. I've actually in the pigs is one of them. It's twenty plus five. So yep. I refer to that as almost like extended uh, keeper league. I mean, that's that's basically what it is. You kind of have to go all in to try and win over a short window. And then you're probably just going to be tanking for almost, not tanking, but uh, rebuilding, you know, for a year or two. We so, call that Nathaning. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you can be verbed, right, Nathan? Yeah, that's good. That's a good, verb, thing. Nathan. <laughs> it's a good thing when you get verbed. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I need 18 starters. I actually do kind of have a... Uh, a number in my head of when I have a 20 roster spot, I want 15 guys that I can kind of cycle through my starting lineup and have a starting lineup that is going to outscore everybody else. And then I want five guys that cost me nothing. I mean, I'm talking absolutely nothing. I want to have five roster spots that I can just churn. I can pick up a guy. If I can make any kind of profit over what I got off of them, that's what I want to do with those five spots. So when I do only have 20, that's kind of how I try and break down, you know, maybe I go 16, four, whatever, you know, little adjustments, but I definitely try and reserve a couple of spots to make that profit because that's, that's an invaluable thing. And I don't think a lot of people look at how valuable roster spots are. They don't, they, it seems like you're getting a guy for a good price 
if you're giving up, you know, whatever, a third for a guy that yet, and you're, it's never going to start for you. But he, he's a solid guy to have on your roster, the roster clogger that people talk about. So I try to make sure I have a few spots just to turn those guys and continue to get profit off of them. I do like your unlimited taxi. That's uh, That is something that we have in a couple of bankrolls that I run. So that might be where some of our money goes off. Guys that shouldn't even be drafted, eh, people are throwing a few bucks on them because why not? They can store them for a year and right. they don't go anywhere. You know, they're free basically after you've gotten them. All you've done is invested a few dollars. It's not going to hurt your active roster. And then a year later, they just cut them. Is that, is that sort of like Jeremy Johnson in the Debbie auction? <laughs> I wonder I wonder if that was going to be brought up. Hey, nobody told me I couldn't go for like a fifth round. Nobody it was a strategy. Said. It was nobody a strategy. Said, didn't work. Nobody said you're, you can only go for first or second round picks. That's the only people we can select in this Debbie auction. It was oh, the only man. strategy that worked worse than Nathan's. God, people got so it worked perfectly because I won. I didn't get him. Price Price ended up winning him. If I was going to win him, it was going to cost me. I think the max bid I put down was like three dollars, and I'm like, I don't care. He's not. He's going to sit on my roster for a year on my taxi. Like I'll see what happens. Oh man, uh, Nathan was so mad at me. Alrighty, uh, just to give my take, I, I think John kind of nailed it with the whole being able to churn waivers. In a shallower roster league, waivers are so important because, A, people are less likely to let go of the guys at the end of the roster. Those are the guys that they picked in the third and fourth round of rookie drafts that they love them. They're waiting for them to develop. Yep. But there's guys on the waiver wire. There's a much deeper waiver wire when you have, you know, four-plus uh, players per team that are on the waiver wire rather than, like, a 24 traditional dynasty league. So I, I think that being non-committal to your end-of-roster guys is very crucial in order to be successful in a shallow roster league as well as making those two-for-one trades. I hate how much people are like, oh, just make a two-for-one trade and make your your uh, roster one less person. When the rosters are that shallow, no one's making one-for-two yeah. trades. So it's definitely easier said than done type well, of Well, nobody good is, Nathan. I mean, that's one that if you were playing with a bunch of noobs, that works. But there's certainly everybody who's any good understands the value of the roster spot, and that's many times more valuable than like a third-round pick. Exactly. All right, let's move on to our next one, and it's going to be salary cap slash contract leagues. Um, this is another situation where I might compare it a little bit more to redraft, where there's you know big names hitting the market each year and things like that. Dan, how do you approach salary cap and contract leagues differently than a, a traditional dynasty league? Well, I mean, it it obviously you know, the auction portion of it is is important, but when you talk starting to talking about the contract years and things like that, you you have to have a good balance of of youth that you're either going to you know one year wonder it or you're going to tag forever uh, or not tag forever, but assign big contracts to, and then you have to have your assuming again we're assuming that we're trying to win here um, that you have your older guys that you're going to stick with with short contracts. Um, but as far as like roster builds and, and how valuations go in that, when you get to a point, let's say three years into a league, when all of a sudden you start seeing some better players become available because now their contracts are expired because in most cases, three and four year contracts are kind of the limit. Um, at least that's my experience with like kitchen sink. Uh, it's kind of the main one that I'm sure everyone has heard yep. of. And probably a lot of people have played in at this point. Um, once once that year you know gets there and and you kind of start seeing people struggle with who they're going to try to hang on to who they're going to tag who you know who they're going to let go 
you see so many, you know, what, what normally in like a dynasty league, you'd see, oh, it's Allen Robinson for 300 AP dollars. What is going on here? And then you realize that the other guys that they're trying to hang on to might be more beneficial for them to keep, or they might need those $300 to keep somebody else that they want. So there's, there's so much strategy. Once you get into those, those end of those contracts by knowing how much you need to retain what you want to retain. And at the same time, who to retain, because you don't want to, you don't want to drag along Ezekiel Elliott on a franchise tag for six years and continually pay for him over and over and over and over again. You want to pay for your high end players right away. So, um, and, and this, you know, this was a learning experience for me because I hadn't really played in a whole lot of auction, um, or not auction, but salary cap and contract leagues. And I learned from Nathan and actually, you know, the man himself, Ryan McDowell to, instead of tag your high-end guys, put them on the market. If you can get a big return for guys, obviously we're not talking about like, you know, super, super high-end guys. Those are guys are easier to just maintain, but that like second round startup group and lower, those are the guys you want to put on the market. You're always able to match, assuming that you have the money to do so. So once you get to that point, you need to start rolling up and and acquiring as much, you know, if it's money or if it's contracts or whatever it is, you can get dead contracts off your roster by sending picks, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's very, very important when you get to that that turnover period to be able to maintain and keep all of your guys. So this actually, I, I mentioned bankroll as being my, you know, favorite manageable uh, type of fantasy football salary cap is my favorite. I love salary cap leagues, but they are a bitch (laughs) to commission. Uh, They are brutal on a commissioner. So if you are in a salary cap league with a commissioner, you should thank them. But overall, they are so much fun. Would you be in a league with no commissioner, John? I mean, (laughs) I mean, if you're in a salary cap league, Thank your commissioner. Right, that there it is. That's that's what I should say. Um, <laughs> so I mean, that's it's it is really an exciting way to play. It does it does feel more redraft than dynasty, uh, just because you know you're going to churn things over. And one thing I definitely do in salary cap leagues, and I probably shouldn't say this because I'm getting ready to start one with some sharp people, so that's going to be frustrating. But uh, those, so I I wait to build add running backs in all my leagues until I think I can win. But in salary cap leagues, I don't want to pay for running backs or uh, or tight ends, really, like until I think I'm going to win. And I will actually overpay for them for a year or two. I will pay more up front and just sign into a one- or two-year deal. Whereas like wide receivers, quarterbacks, I try and get them as rookies and sign them the four-year, five-year, whatever your limit is, right off the bat because they're going to be cheap. And that will allow me to spend more on my other positions you know, the positions that I don't know what I really don't, I have no idea what's going to happen to a running back two years from now. Nobody does. So I will wait and I will just pay up when I, when I have to at that point, but salary, I mean, salary cap is so much fun. It's, it's, if you haven't played it, I, I highly suggest trying it. The, uh, the math involved in trying to structure a team. It's crazy. It is fun. It is really, really fun. Uh, contract leagues are very different, but a kind of a, they do follow a similar mindset. They are much easier to manage as a commissioner. Um, this will be my second year in kitchen sink. And I think we made the playoffs the first year, uh, Kevin Cotillo and I, but uh, we are definitely trying to navigate our ways through there. So I'm just going to listen 
on how to go through a kitchen sink league because we aren't 100% sure still. I don't know the difference between rookie va- rookie money and Devi money. I don't know which is more valuable and everything right now. Well, and that's one we we had we had uh, McDowell on uh, probably the most boring dynasty trade cast we no, ever. No, no, no. I listened, but he did well, not yeah. give out any secrets. Like the, it wasn't the general public though. It they was really were. annoying. So <laughs> was, yeah, I mean, well, tell me, right, tell me exactly what I need to win this league. He right never McDowell's did a sweetheart. He's like, he's. I'm like, who do you think won that side? He's like, I see merit in both sides. I was like, J- Ryan, Ryan, I need you, I need to hear you say that I lost this trade. Just say it, Ryan. <laughs> No trading in salary cap or contract year leagues. I mean, they, it's you can't judge it. I, I can only imagine like the DLF trade finder just almost like <laughs> breaks when you see a trade. Not to mention a pig's trade. Good God, where all of a sudden there's that craziness. But like you see a guy that's almost getting released from his contract, and he gets traded for a guy that's nothing, but he's under a four year contract. So it, it's it's definitely a different trading atmosphere for sure yeah and i'll say i'll just say i am still very much learning um the contract format i haven't done a salary cap league yet um but contract format i'm still figuring out in ks4 and, and kitchen Sinko. um so on that note i'll actually kick over to nathan who right after i franchise tag somebody dumb tweet that you puts, shouldn't have done that. he puts the tweet out that says hey for all you people that just franchise tag people in kitchen sink that was dumb don't do that in the future so <laughs> I'll, now wait, I'll wait, wait. I, I have a question, Eric. Did yes. you actually question yourself based on Nathan's tweet, or did you think, or did you see that tweet and go, "I totally did the right thing"? No, no, I actually. Well, then I went and checked the bylaws, like, and then realized I'm stupid and that franchising a player actually costs money, and I'm I'm a moron. So well, that it was, only costs all-purpose money, right? Like, I don't, I don't. Right. I mean, yeah. And regardless, it was regardless. Yeah. I, I. I franchise tagged in a league, Steven Anderson, because I thought it was free. I'm just oh, gonna, dear Lord. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm just going to go ahead and admit it. I'm going to come clean here on the podcast. I I messed up, Nathan. Messed up. That was a bad move. <laughs> All right. Let's let's move on. we got a couple more, and then we're going to get into some fun games. I'm just um, curious how in the world you franchise Steven Anderson. Did I, I, you not he was the only guy. He was the only guy with a zero-year contract. So I was like, "Well, I might as well keep him. Why not?" Oh, okay. So you had because literally because it's free. Is what, I, is what I was thinking. You had zero idea that it costs anything. Okay. Well, That's I will correct. say, like, I had to read the bylaws like eight times. Yeah. No, I'm to, I'm a more try and figure it out. So. And also, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I saw other people not franchise. I was like, oh, wonder why they're not doing that. Yeah, no. <laughs> these idiots are just letting these people so, walk away for free. So so babies. dumb. Like 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 for real, uh, real, real dumb. So yes, oh, I I learned a I learned a lesson. Luckily, I've got I guess plenty of money. It's only like the first year at Kitchen Sinko, so all-purpose money isn't quite worth as much as like year four. So I'll I feel, I feel better list. about uh, franchise tagging Chris Hogan and transition tagging Jay. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't great, but we at least put, uh, so we put McKinnon back into the RFA auction in hopes that somebody will spend the up. value that McKinnon all of a sudden is McKinnon's gone nuts in value. So we're kind of hoping people spend on him and then uh, we can get their rookie money out of that. Eric, are you aware of that? If you spend yes, all purpose, yes, I'm aware. Of that, so, yes, I, I'm just going to go ahead and I, I actually did a good hard read of the bylaws. Actually, <laughs> so I'll just say those went through it with a fine tooth comb this time. Okay, uh, sorry, Nathan. What? Why don't you? Since you're you probably out of all of us, probably have the most experience, or at least under have the best understanding of this. Um, why don't you go through some quick rundown here? 
Well, as far as salary cap contract leagues, the number one advice I can give you is that don't listen to any podcasts in regards to salary cap contract league advice because every single salary <laughs> cap contract league is so different that unless you play in that specific league, you can't really give advice that's applicable to that league. So, I mean, yes, you can give basic advice like, you know, don't overinvest in order assets and give too many years to an order asset. Always give more years to younger assets that are, you know, top end values. But for the most part, you're just going to have to navigate the waters and learn from experience from a uh, contract and salary cap league because they're just so different from league to league. Um, of course, if you're in the kitchen sink leagues, you can listen to the conversation we just had, but you know, not everyone's in kitchen sink. So trying to get a broader audience here. Um, that's, that's, lot- my, that's my favorite trade post of who do I want this guy or this guy? And then all of a sudden the polls go all the way one way. And then the guy comes out and says, Oh, this is a contract league and he's on a one-year contract and the other guy's on a four-year contract. And you're like, okay, what, like, what the hell? Like, would have been nice to know that up front. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. All right. So uh, lightning around these last two. Uh, first one, I've never played one of these leagues. So I'd be interested if any, any of you guys have. Uh, kick return, punt return, bonus leagues. Um, anyone have any thoughts on those? Yeah, they're, they're kind of, I mean, I, my, my home redraft league is one of these. Um, that is like, it was like established for Devin Hester specifically. And then one guy snuck that the commission snuck it in and then basically won the league because of Devin Hester, um, <laughs> which was, which was so scummy. We gave him crap forever, but it, yeah, we're in one of those, uh, unless you've got somebody who just is bonkers in in kick returns and is a, is a tool. Like, I mean, I would say Tyler Lockett, but that didn't pan out quite the way we thought it would. Um, Devin Hester comes to mind as one of the last ones like that that was really Ty- Tyreek Hill would be the yeah, yeah I guess you're right or Tyree Antonio Hill. Brown Cribs yeah, I mean I guess I guess you name it but like there's there, there's just not that many guys that are that are kick re- there's so many kick return specialists these days that it like is just almost becoming a moot point where like you don't want to roster those guys because they're so hit and miss um, so. I don't know. I mean, they're kind of, it's kind of a silly format. I don't, I don't really see the upside. I mean, it's maybe it's just for fun, but uh, it really doesn't move the needle much at all. Uh, it just forces you to roster like Josh Cribs in a league like a couple <laughs> years ago is pretty much all it does. I have a take. Go. Don't play, don't play in those leagues, similar to leagues with kickers and defense slash special teams. IDP leagues are different. You can play in yeah. IDP. Team league. defense is what you're saying. Team defense now, what if, slash what special teams. What if it's teams. an IDP league with a return? Because a lot don't a lot of like defensive backs and safeties, you know, like who, aren't they sometimes return guys as well? That's correct. That's why I didn't count IDP leagues. Yeah. <laughs> See, combine them if you want to go to Listen, all the bad. Listen, no. put, put, put all the bad formats together. Don't play in kicker leagues. Don't play in team defense. Don't play in specifically kick return, bunt return leagues because they're all pointless. All right. Well, that's hot takey. Okay. Well, this might really be the lightning round. Let me just ask the question. Is anybody going to say that we should, that, that it's interesting and exciting to play in a punt return, kick return? No, no, nope. If I was in one, I would be splashing the league chat with videos of every single punt return <laughs> on every touch. I'm wow. Look at how good he is. Yeah, I would totally be pumping the value of that guy. during the auction. <laughs> There you go. All right. Uh, Nathan, you said we got one more in the lightning round here. One more. Which one is more important? Tight end premium 1.5 PPR or start two dot two dot two or start two tight ends. Start with John. Yeah. So I touched on this earlier that I don't think a point increasing the point value of tight end receptions. I don't think that changes anything because if you're still starting one tight end, you're still starting the same amount of tight ends and they're all finishing in the same order. 
But if you go to a requirement of two tight ends, wow, to me, that's a game changer because then all of a sudden the guys at the top are very, 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 very different than the guys at the bottom. If you don't invest in tight end then and you're rolling out like the tight end, I don't I don't even want to think of names, but like the tight end 32 and the tight end 28. If you're rolling out you, Eric Ebron, then you're having a no, I'm sorry. He's actually he's actually probably <laughs> He's probably a good option. That's how he's worked like a first in the two ten league. You got to go way below that. You're probably thinking like, oh, Martellus Bennett. Let's. He's a starter for me every week. Oh, that's. Can he retire? Just, yeah, that's why. That's kind of why I used him because because you were that excited about him last year, and then all of a sudden he's nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm same boat. It's. Honestly, you hear the talk about how important tight end premium is and, and you know, people kind of blow some steam in there, but it's honestly, it's irrelevant. And, you know, John kept saying everybody it's the tiering is all the same. It's not like, oh, but this guy, you know, he, he has a lot more receptions and fewer yards. And it's like every tight end does almost the exact same thing. There's a few guys that have a little bit more yardage or, or yard after carry upside or yard after catch upside, but they're all going to finish the same spot. It's so irrelevant. Two tight end is honestly the the tight end pre- is how tight end premium should be seen, not one point five points per catch. Honestly, combine them both and then just watch the entire league burn down. Oh my lord, that would be. Can you imagine playing one hundred one like that? Oof, <laughs> that's that, that's scary. I mean, I'm on board with you guys. Uh, I mean, the only time that I see the the one point five or even two point catch. Uh, for tight ends making a difference is it adds a tier if you've got somebody like what Greg Olson did one year where he was like catching 10 balls 11 balls a game then that's like substantial point change but in general your tight ends are catching what four balls a game so no matter what it's just not adding that much to the pot Um, and and like you said I mean if for the most part if every one of them's catching four balls a game and it's just a matter of the yardage well guess what changed literally nothing it's it's the same exact thing you're either getting four points or you're getting six points. And it's just, a, and, and everybody's getting those points no matter what. So that is, I, I concur. That's, but it is, it is fun to watch new people to that format fall into that fallacy that it's like, that the tight ends are like God and that people overspending and just really reaching in auction drafts. And uh, Kitchen Sink comes to mind as being one of those ones where it's, it's tight end premium and people who are new to the format do overpay vastly for tight ends. So uh, I concur completely. I think you, you add, want to add value to anything. The way you do it is, is force people to roster more of that position. Why Superflex is so great. Uh, and tight end and two tight end is exactly the same thing in my eyes. Yeah, the small caveat to that is when you're playing in leagues that have like four and five flex positions, just increasing the actual points of the tight end does make some of them more flexible than like a wide receiver six. Right, right. Uh, but if you're like starting you get, four tight really ends. Deep down. I mean, oh, no, you're not starting four, but you might you might start a second tight end in a flex. Scott starts four tight ends and, and pigs. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's really frustrating, too, because he's got four good ones. That's the he problem. he won't trade him. He won't trade him. No, he won't. He won't trade anything. He's, he's, he's awful. Evil Scott. All right. Boo, Scott. Uh, <laughs> all right, Nathan, any, anything to add to that conversation? All right. Let me tell you guys about our sponsor. I mentioned him at the top of the show, and that's the Fantasy Football Players Championship, or the FFPC. Uh, they're the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Uh 
And we've been talking about him for several weeks now. So for most people, it's the offseason, but not for the FFPC. If you're ready to draft now, the FFPC best ball leagues are drafting daily with entry fees starting at just $35. They have both slow drafts and live drafts. Um, so if you like, but if you like Dynasty, uh, which I've mentioned, the FFPC has 200 active Dynasty leagues with entry fees starting at $77 and going all the way up to $2,500. Uh, and here's something that's incredible. Not a single dynasty league is folded in eight years. New dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching right after the NFL draft. Uh, so don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season long high stakes fantasy football. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. All right. All right. Now it's time. Nathan, I'm sniping you. It's time for Rookie or the Van. Rookie. Rookie or the Van. Rookie or the Van. Oh, man. I kind of miss when Nathan didn't have audio. I was actually I was actually excited to see this game on the show sheet. Only because I wanted, I wanted to see the live singing. You guys have made my night now. All righty. Let's make some listeners night by playing some rookie or the vet. And it's going to be our first wait, one. Wait, explain, explain rookie or the vet to the, to the crew. To the, right, the previous yeah. episodes. If All right. Listen to people. All right. For the 14 people who don't know what rookie or the vet means. We will, we will, <laughs> we will five pit. more listeners than you guys. Hey, right now. I'm kidding. <laughs> we will pit one rookie from the 2018 rookie class. Versus one vet, someone who has been in the NFL for one year or longer. So our first rookie or the vet matchup will be Equinamius St. Brown of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish versus Devin Funches of. We can start with our friend John since it looks like he had a difficult difficult look on his face. Which one are you taking, the rookie St. Brown or the vet Funches? Well, when you said ESB, I was. He's a guy I'm a little torn on because I kind of want him in leagues and I have him in a couple of Debbie leagues. Uh, and then you said Funches and I was like, oh, well, now it's actually really easy. I'll take ESB. I do not like Funches at all. <laughs> so I will take ESB easily over Funches. If nothing else, ESB's value is not going to, doesn't have the chance to go to zero by the end of next year. Whereas I honestly think Funches could. I just don't like him. I think if I he like has a bad him. if he has a bad year, people are just going to write him off. ESB has a bad year, people are going to say hey, he's a rookie. He's still adjusting. Yeah, that's this is I, I I'm completely on board with you, John. Uh, this is old stone hands Funches for me. Doesn't move the needle. Uh, does not excite me. Um, I will go with the rookie. And and you're exactly right. The value 
there is going to just stay floated. Um, and I realize the values are similar now, but it's tough for Funches to go much higher than that valuation without just completely breaking out. And I just don't see it. It's taken Funches a lot of work to get back to this value. Right. So he's going to have to continue to work to maintain it. That's not going to happen. The issue with Funches is I, I think we wrote him off too early. Kind and of he's bad. Thing. Well, See, I don't know that he's bad. I don't know that he's bad. I think I think you had a, an awkward Cam Newton um, who wasn't entirely healthy. You had a questionable offense. And you had a player that was still trying to grow into a position he was new to. You know, he played tight end. He's a, he's He transitioned over. So um, it, it kind of reminds me of something like a, a Devontae Adams where everyone laughed and gave up because he had silly drops and looked bad a lot. And he's still still honestly a solid player to me and, and ESB is someone that I've liked. Uh, I, I still like, I, I'm higher on him in this rookie draft than most, but that doesn't mean a whole lot considering this rookie draft class for wide receivers, at least um, it's super mediocre. And I, honestly, I think, I think if it was bird in the hand, I'm hanging on to Funches. Um but honestly, I think it's close. I think that's probably a one-for-one valuation. So as far as you guys think it is for a gap, I honestly think this is pretty much one-for-one. But I think, I think I'd keep Funches just because of the Cam Newton upside. So I'm curious, Dan, because you said you, you know the Carolina offense was kind of the unknown, uh, and you also compared him to Adams. Do you think the Carolina offense is now more of a known with Funches as a, as a part of it? Than Adams as a part of the Packers. I mean, like to me, Adams, I love him. Obviously, they're different tiers, but even their same their story, it feels like Adams has solidified his spot. I don't know that Funches has solidified his Carolina Panthers role yet. No, he hasn't. And, and people people questioned it after his kind of breakout as well. Um, but he's also got Aaron Rodgers, and and we know Cam isn't quite the the thrower that that uh, Rodgers is. But that offense is filling in. If they can get a healthy Greg Olson. You know, if they can get McCaffrey to actually run the ball or if they bring in uh, another back to to help out and they get, you know, Curtis Samuel going, that's going to all of those things are going to help Funchess not have to deal with crazy coverage. Um, and maybe teams aren't afraid of him and he'll he'll be able to live off of, you know, soft coverage as it is. So I yeah, I, I mean, it's. I don't want to say that Carolina has solidified itself, but they're getting better as an offense and they're growing. Um, so I think that's going to help Funchess in the long run. All right. I'll wrap up Funchess with everyone knows I'm a big Funchess guy. And I think that Equinemius St. Brown could very likely have a similar career path that Funchess has had where he struggled his first couple of years of his career, getting separation and getting into the right role in the NFL. So basically I see this as, I'm getting St. Brown two years from now, but I'm getting Funchess now who has shown some something at the NFL level. So, yes, they have similar values right now, but I think that St. Brown could have that similar dive in value that, that Funchess had after his first two years in the NFL. So uh, I, I like Funchess a lot, and I, I would take him over St. Brown right now just because I think he is going more towards his arc than St. Brown will be. I think he has a little bit more of a bumpy road towards you know fantasy relevancy or at least consistent fantasy relevancy. Well, yeah, I think it's just mostly an easy decision of like how you feel about Funches is pretty much the answer to this question is if you think he's, if you think he, he really has a chance to improve, then, then you probably take the Funches side of this. I he think doesn't, John, he, he doesn't even need to improve though. He can be a wide receiver three and be better than Equinemius St. Brown. 
But Equinemia St. Brown has the upside of being better than that wide receiver. Everyone has the upside of being a better wide receiver three. That's ridiculous. Yes, you're right. Everybody has the upside of being better than Funchess. I agree with your point. (laughs) (laughs) And our last rookie. Oh, the veil. Rookie, oh, the veil. Of the night will be Mike Gusecki of Penn State, tight end. Or, we talked about him last week, Jimmy Graham, newly of the Green Bay. With our good friend John Bosch, uh, would you take the young upstart combine freak or the guy who has Aaron Rodgers? Uh, at this point, I'll go the old guy. <laughs> I'll take Jimmy Graham. Um, this is going to be the Packers tight end that breaks through. It's going to happen, right? Like, this is finally no. going to happen for yeah. everybody that's been waiting for it. Now, I mean, I'll take Jimmy Graham. I He's got the value that even no matter what he's either going to help you win or you're going to be able to trade him for way more than probably what you invest right now. I don't think Gusecki's giving you that same uh, return in the next year. So I'll take Jimmy Graham here. I mean, this is kind of just a, a t- it's just an overall tough pick. I think it's a, a rookie tight end is just a waiting game. Again, as mentioned earlier in the show, if you have a short roster, drafting rookie tight ends is a very, very bad idea because you're just going to sit there and drop them uh, two years later. So, I mean, I don't know that I'm necessarily sold on Graham. This is It really is just a total toss-up for me. I, I, uh, I guess I'll take I guess I'll take Gusecki on the same pretense that I took um esb on the last one i think just the upsides there but on a short roster obviously graham's there uh it's i don't know it's it's a tough one that's a really tough one i'm not sure either either one has a very strong chance not to pan out i think we all know how i'm gonna vote um jimmy graham in in green bay does zero for me um i will absolutely take saquon gasecki All right, I'll wrap up, I'll wrap us up, and I'll say this is definitely very close for me. I was kind of surprised that Eric and Dan were kind of so heavy on Gasecki, but I'll I'll roll with Gasecki as well. I, Not I think heavy that, on him, Nathan. Just kind of don't have a better choice. Heavy on Jimmy Graham being doo doo. All right, well, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue the Gasecki train here, and I'll, I'll say that you know he's a guy that's projected to go late first, early second in the NFL draft. That put, pretty much puts him in the late first, early second of rookie drafts. And Jimmy Graham, he's one of those guys that he's going to lose value pretty much whatever he does in Green Bay. And and let's say he does put up, you know, a tight end five, tight end six season. Like he's still going to lose value. So I'll take the ascending asset there. And I will move us on to our final game of the night. We are with our good friend, John Bosch, who hosts the Dynasty Game Night. So I thought, what better than Debbie or not, famous game, cont- game show contestant, uh, Debbie or not edition. So we'll go through a, a couple of them here, and we'll start with our first one. Dan Sanyo, you can start us off. Trey Bryant, Debbie or not? Trey Bryant, can I get not the perfect. country? Can I get the country of origin, please? <laughs> um, <laughs> Trey, I mean that's a, a, this is actually going to be really hard. I, I don't uh, I don't know I. I'm trying to think back for all of my Debbie drafts and think if I can remember seeing a Trey Bryant. I'm going to say Debbie. Eric. Yeah. Trey Bryant. 
Is this some type of Devi edition of something? Are they, are they all, do they all have something in common? The people who they're, aren't Devi, fishing, fishing no. for clues, love it. They're they're, de- they're either a Devi player or a game show contestant. One of the two. A game, I mean, a game show contestant could be anyone. That's what I was saying. This is hard. Yeah, like, I'm going to go search the Family Feud and Price is Right lineups. Like, yeah. Family Feud is 10 people a show. That's a Man. lot. I, I was almost on Beat Shazam. I mean, that could be literally <laughs> anybody. All right, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll just disagree with Dan, and I'll go with game show contestant. I'm going to go Debbie. And... I, don't have a, I don't have a valid reason, so... And John and Bosch, or, or not all John, right, John and Bosch, Bosch are right. Right. Wait, right or wrong? Kill him. John, John and Dan are right. Trey Bryant, running back, Nebraska. So Nebraska. one point, one point for each of you. We will go to our next one, and it is going to be Michael Larson, Debbie or not. We'll start with Eric. I mean. All right, I'll just go with I'll just go with Debbie. Why not? I'm just gonna go zero and two. It's fine. I just like it feels like your angle shooting here. So I'm gonna outsmart you and say that you did not go watch shows and read contestants' names. That's what I'm gonna bank on is that you've just chosen Debbie's and thrown thrown some erroneous other side of this out there. John, go ahead. Yeah, I totally did that on one of our fake news on game night. I had all, I think every single headline was fake because I didn't feel like looking up anything real. (laughs) I just just made them all up and made them all fake. It was way easier. Um, Oh, man. What was the name again? Michael Larson. Generic, Uh, generic. That sounds like a Wheel of Fortune contestant. I'm going game show. Michael, where are you from? (laughs) (laughs) Do you like uh, Vanna? How can you do anything? How can you focus on answering a clue when you can just stare at Vanna? Because she's like 76 years old, John. <laughs> still I, would. I, I got to say, I haven't watched in a while, but I'm assuming she still looks good. Oh, no, she could get it. But I mean, it's not. It's not. I think I could probably focus on whatever I was doing. <laughs> she could get it. <laughs> Sorry, honey. Oh dear. She's not um, listening. Actually, to be fair, my wife does know about my rules that I will that any celebrity that a 76-year-old any any celebrity that would make a good story could get it. That's my rule. Any celebrity, <laughs> male or female, if it's a good story, I'm in. Oh man. I'm uh, I'm actually in the same line of thinking with Eric. I don't know that you actually looked anyone up. Uh, <laughs> And I have no idea who this person is, so it's probably a game show contestant, but I'm going to go with Debbie. And Josh gets another point. Or John. All right. We're messing Ooh. up names here. No, I'll tell you what, Nathan. I have been called Josh my whole life. People merge my first and last name. I don't know why. So it's all right. It, it's not right. new. Well, Michael Larson uh, was a, a contestant on Press Your Luck. Uh, Press Your show. Luck? Where you were you watched on? a good game show. I was going to well, hold on. Press your luck is one of the best game shows to ever happen. So Nathan, you know what Nathan did? He watched Game Show Network for an entire is Game Show Network still on? Is that still <laughs> around? Yeah, I believe it's still hey, a thing. Hey, yes. Confirmed. He just all watched know. it for a day. Just watch Cash hey, Cab. We all know about me and Grandma Nancy and, and, and Card Sharks. So you know. uh, Ling, Lingo is one of my favorite games of all time. All right, guys. All right. Let's this this show is going long, so let's go ahead and wrap it up, boys. Uh, so I would like to thank John for coming on the show. John, the, awesome the winner, to have you. the winner 
of Debbie or not. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily we don't have a reoccurring segment where we bring back winners. So uh, you're going to have to earn it, John. You're going to have to earn it. Uh, you can follow John on Twitter. That's at Empire FFL. Uh, you can listen to his podcast if you like games and Dynasty. You can check out Dynasty Game Night. Um, anything else, John, before you go? Do you want to make fun of Nathan? Always. No, but, he doesn't uh... want to make <laughs> he needs to. He needs to say that next week I will be on the Terminant, ter, ter, Terminant, Terminant. Tournament of Champions. Tournament of Champions. I beat you sound like, you in the sound like inaugural Charles episode. Barkley. You're like Tournament you, of Champions. No, you won because of a dumb rule. <laughs> Who was the that had to be Matt that made the dumb rule? I'm assuming, but uh, it was so just yeah. A <laughs> in addition to game night, I do also do Dynasty Wall Street, which is on the Dynasty Trade Calculator feed. So those are my two pods that you can hear me rambling on. For some reason, people seem to enjoy that. <laughs> All right, well, check them out there uh, for. Oh yeah, and then well, I was about to close out the show and not tell the listeners to leave a five star rating and review. Uh, make sure you leave a five star rating and review for the show wherever you listen to the pod. It helps listeners find us. Um, and uh, you know, who doesn't want to help a listener find good dynasty content? So uh, for Nathan, Dan, John, and myself, we will catch up with you guys next week. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. Summer's slipping away, so grab hold of Amazing at California's Great America before it's too late. Buy next year's season pass and get unlimited visits this year to experience rides, shows, and attractions. That includes incredible coasters, Boomerang Bay, and an amazing Peanuts-themed kids' area. Get this special offer for as low as 11 payments of $6.50 after an initial payment. Hurry to get the best price on the most fun you can have. Buy your 2020 season pass now at cagreatamerica.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.